0: Welcome back to A New World of Wealth, the podcast where we bring together financial and industry experts to discuss the challenges facing business owners in Canada and share advice on how to get more from your money. I'm Jay Gangness, founder of Ocean6, and I've got advisors Jackie, Jasmine, and Dave here with me today. We're going to be talking about everybody's favorite topic, insurance and the common questions that we are facing with our clients today and how to best structure insurance policies. So the most common question we get is oftentimes around the purpose of life insurance and why somebody might need it. Uh, Why don't we start here with Jackie to explain a little bit about How does one know if they have enough insurance to protect their family?
1: For me, at least this is part of our first training when we first entered in the insurance industry side. We have to do our diligence and collect information we call life needs analysis. And what that really means is we get down to some of the key numbers here. First, we discover what's the client's purpose buying the life insurance. Is it to protect debt? Is it to make sure that there is ongoing income for the surviving family? What is it that is the most important for them? And from there, we, we start to add some numbers together regarding around uh, how much that they might owe or how long they want to provide that income for the family. Uh, so having a structured life needs analysis really helps our clients focus on the right amount of insurance so that they're not underinsured or overinsured. So my recommendation is take this time. If you're stuck at home and you've got this extra time on your hand to really sit down and review your current insurance portfolios, and also find a tool that can help you determine your needs analysis and figure out what it is important for you to get coverage on.
0: Got it. One thing to add there is that we have a lot of clients that have gone through that process over the years. And what I've really found is that it's a very personal thing. You can have two individuals that have very similar situations with very different insurance needs. Some of them want to use insurance for one specific tool. Other ones just want it for a very different tool and, and oftentimes a different amount. So it's very much a personal need. As you said, Jackie, that needs analysis is very, very important rather than just blindly going and, and buying insurance and, and uh, getting a number that gets spit out by a computer or a robot. It's really important that you do your own kind of due diligence and be comfortable that everything's taken care of.
1: Oftentimes, my clients will come up to me and say, Can I just get a million dollars of life insurance? And it always comes back to my first question to them is always, Why? How did you even come up with this million dollar number? And most of the time, they simply tell me that, Oh, it was just a nice round number to have. So that has, it doesn't play a big role and doesn't solve a big problem for my clients if, if they just like the round number. Uh, so the analysis help focuses them. No, oh, totally. And I, and
0: I think that. I totally agree, Jackie. We have lots of people that say, I need a million bucks. And the, of course, the first question we ask is why or what for, you know, what are you trying to accomplish here? So I think it's really important to go down that trail and make sure you're clear as to what is the insurance for? And when we do those reviews, when we go through the blueprint, that's question number one. We spread out all the insurance policy, what is this one for? And get really clear that they're actually have a reason towards why they're there and purpose. So let's, you know, Jackie, that million dollar number, good, good analogy, because that's a, that's a common one that we see. So let's say you have a million bucks and someone comes up and says, okay, we want more insurance. Uh, maybe we'll go to Dave here. Dave, is there such a thing as having too much insurance?
2: Good question, Jay. And I think Jack and you just uh, touched upon this already. I mean, insurance isn't something you want to collect like gold bars in your basement. You don't want to just sort of get as many insurance policies as you can and keep them under your bed. But it, as long as your goals align with the amount that you have, and if the insurance covers what you consider your risk to be, so your risk could be as you pointed out, if your risk is just your mortgage and that's all you wanna cover, that's that's it. But if you've party you wants to have an extra couple of million dollars around for your spouse and the kids if they pass away, then that's what your risk needs to be. You'd also obviously wanna consider is there a, an issue with tax down the line, estate planning. If you look at your policies and you've got $5 million of coverage, no mortgage uh, and no need for an estate, well, someone's probably sold you on some insurance that you don't necessarily need. And that money could be going to something uh, more valuable in your life. Yeah,
0: no, for sure. And I think that poses a big, a big component of insurance as a whole back to that. A, what is it for? And B, is it being used for a different planning tool as opposed to just mitigating the risk? I mean, you can buy insurance just to cover something if you die, or you can buy insurance for, a very, long, very powerful long-term tax planning tool. So it's not so much do you need insurance, it's a more about what are we using insurance for as a tool to accomplish the end goal. Lots of different things you can do, but it's about getting clear of what is it for, what is the money being allocated, and why do you have it? So I just touched on this a little bit here, but there's always been two types of insurance that is more widely known. Jasmine, can you tell listeners when they should consider looking at term as opposed to permanent insurance, and what's the difference?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So you can break it into these two, you know, usually term or whole life. So, really, sort of what the name says term during a certain period of time. So, a term of maybe 10 years or a term of maybe 20 years. And, you know, you're paying every single year. But once that term is done, you know, that's it. Your insurance is done. Where with whole life, it can be for a life. So, you're paying into it. And as long as you're paying, Uh, you can have that insurance for your entire life. And term insurance is less expensive, so it's for a temporary need. So it could be, you know, maybe while your children are young and you have a lot of debt and you're trying to protect the income that's going to take care of your children and take care of that debt. And then for whole life, you can use it for that, but really it can be a great tool for future uh, planning.
1: Often I actually use the the rental analogy as, as the common difference between the two. Term insurance is a lot like renting a place, right? Right. Sometimes you maybe work moved you across the country and you need to live there and work there for a couple of years. So you don't start off by just dumping a bunch of money and buying a real estate and living there because, you know, you're not permanently going to be there. So you just need to get something that you need right now. That's term insurance. Whereas whole life insurance or permanent insurance has a much longer lifeline and a longer value. So it's a more, it's more like buying a piece of real estate. And now there's growth in the policy and there's long-term and you can keep it. You're not going to get ticked out. You get to enjoy it for the rest of your life. And so a lot of my clients have found that this analogy has made a lot of sense to them because it's low cost, uh, satisfy a need right now. That's term insurance. Whereas whole life is investment for the future and it has equity gains and, and growth value that comes with it for the long run.
2: I just want to add to your point there, Jackie, uh, with the analogy of rent versus owning with term insurance. For those of you that don't know, if it's all that you can afford at the time, but you, you've got a desire to have some permanent insurance in your life, like renting a place, you can rent for a couple of years and then convert that term insurance into a, a more permanent plan or even just part of it, if that's your desire. So similar to renting a place and then buying a place, you can buy some term insurance, then convert it to a a whole life plan down the road.
1: Yeah, actually, that's the other story that I tell is like, you move across the country, and maybe you're from Vancouver, and you move to Toronto, you first rent, but then you love Toronto, and you wanted to stay, Uh, you can go to your landlord and get, can I buy this back? And you could, you can exchange that rent agreement for a purchase agreement, and now you can keep it. Uh, That's that's one thing that definitely insurance has that like real real estate doesn't actually have
2: and no one likes Toronto
1: (laughs) (laughs) and they might want to move back to BC right but you
0: could still convert your insurance. I think that the one thing that comes to mind for me is permanent insurance is an asset term insurance is an expense and that doesn't mean it's bad they both have their useful benefits but uh, permanent insurance definitely is something that you're building an asset. doesn't necessarily, you should always get permanent insurance. There's a time and place for both, uh, both components to it, but that's the main difference as you're building up that asset. So why don't we switch gears a little bit here? Jackie, living benefits insurance has been growing in popularity. More people are now aware that it exists. Can you just maybe quickly tell our listeners what is the biggest difference between critical illness insurance? and disability insurance? And why should they consider it in their overall planning?
1: Uh, Great question. Uh, It's a topic that I'm personally passionate about. Life insurance is fantastic. It's a great long-term asset growth tool, tax planning tool. But for me, I've always been a big believer that we should try and take care of ourselves and our own finances. And that's what really living benefit is really all about, um, to protect your most valuable asset, which is your ability to earn an income. So the major difference between disability insurance and critical illness is A, the way that the contract is structured or the payout is structured and B, what situation that they are covering. So in the name, critical illness insurance, it covers uh, the major illnesses in your life. The marketplace has a lot of different versions of critical illness. So I highly do recommend if anybody is listening and has a critical illness, make sure that they know what types of illnesses are actually being covered. Not all critical illness policy are the same. Some have more definitions, some have less, some have very specific terms or ways for you to make that claim. Uh, some are a little bit more lenient and broader in their definition. So just be aware of what product you purchase so that you are aware what situation is being covered and which isn't. And critical illness is usually a lump sum payout. So they pay out the insured a lump sum of tax-free money if one of those illnesses Was diagnosed. Now, with disability insurance, it's more like an income replacement tool and it's on a monthly payout schedule. So, if you can't go to work for an extended period of time, uh, we call it the waiting period. Once you satisfy the waiting period of not being able to go to work, and that's not you don't feel like going to work, it's medically speaking or mentally speaking, there's something that's blocking you from going to work and there's a doctor who signed off, then you can make that claim. And that income comes. Uh, up until the the length of the, the definition of the contract. So two years, five years, or to, to age 65, or if you got better and went back to work. So disability insurance, it replaces your current income. A lot of listeners might know short-term disability or long-term disability through their work. That's basically what that is. But instead of differentiating two policies, it's just one disability insurance on the personal side. And then uh, critical illness is a lump sum payment for illness-specific definitions.
0: Got it. Yeah, and I think both have their benefits and both have some overlap in when you would be able to claim them, but neither one of them cover absolutely everything. So we don't necessarily recommend you, again, is there too much insurance, that you get maximum amounts of each of them, but just get clear on how much you're comfortable with and what's going to solve that problem if it does come and transfer that risk over. I have, I have a couple crazy stories here I want to quickly share. Actually, I'll just share one of them for now. I paid out two critical illness claims over my 16 year career here. And one of them actually, we had gone to the client because his term critical illness insurance was coming up for renewal. And he was 10 years in and we went to him and said, we think you should rewrite this into a new policy because it's a little bit cheaper when you rewrite it if you qualify from a health standpoint. And he responded and said, well, I won't qualify. I had a heart attack three years ago. And so, of course, we said, well, you have critical illness insurance. Why didn't you claim? And his response was, my doctor told me if I claimed my critical illness insurance, it would void my life insurance. Crazy story. So we're three years in and the company has a 12-month period where you can actually go make that claim or else become stale. So, of course, we went to bat for the client. We took the claim and we went to the company. This is Empire Life. We went to the company and said, this is three years old, but it should be honored. And no lawyers involved, no problem. They looked at it. We went back and forth a few times with zero battle. They paid the claim. They also paid interest on the money that they would have paid three years later. So a lot of times life insurance companies get a bad rap Are they going to claim. They claimed with no questions asked long after they had to. And to add to that story, we then went back and said, Well, you know what? This guy's paid premiums for three years and he didn't have insurance for three years because you've just paid out the claim. They paid the premiums back to him for the three years that he paid as well. It was an awesome story. I was very, very happy to be able to deliver the check. You know, it impacted him big time. He still, after that three-year period, wasn't fully back to work. He didn't have a great disability policy at work. Uh, They were struggling financially. So that cash made made a huge impact. So, you know, those stories really have a powerful piece as to why we do what we do and why that insurance piece is important. And it's, it's a much smaller part of our business these days. But when we go through our blueprint, those are the things that are going to blow up your financial plan when they happen. We all kind of think we're bulletproof and we all kind of think it won't happen to me, but those are oftentimes the case when it does in fact happen. So, you know, really powerful tools from a planning standpoint.
1: Just wanted to add that quick note there too. Uh, this story really also echoes another point, which is your doctors and your family members are not your financial advisors. Uh, they, they didn't facilitate the insurance policy. If anyone's listening, they, they probably should take this one advice. Make sure you go back to your insurance advisor or your financial advisor to get clarity on the contract don't worry, we, we won't go and report you to the insurance company type situation. Uh, we're on your side too. And we, we just want to help you get clarity on what your contract says. So that miscommunication could have been avoided three years ago if the client had just called.
0: Yeah, totally. a Very good point. Don't take advice from your doctor when it's, you know, you don't want us giving you medical advice, right? Uh, that's not our expertise. But a very good point, Jackie. Thank you for that. I totally agree with you. So let's add a little bit to this. Jackie, lots of great benefits there as we talked about. Uh some of us might already be thinking this sounds like an expensive benefit when, you know, the likelihood of getting one of these illnesses, especially cancer, heart attack, stroke, high likelihood in our lifetime that we're going to get one of those things. How much would it cost and is it really worth it or should we just
1: self insure? Good question. And here's the thing, if you think it's expensive now, wait until you get ill. The real facts are that there's a lot of miscommunication or misunderstanding that our public healthcare system covers us for everything. And that's simply not true. There's a lot of, if you've just asked any healthcare professionals who work at the hospitals, anything to do with cancer or uh, life-threatening diseases, a lot of times they have trial drugs that are not covered by the, the public healthcare. So it could be a very expensive situation that you get yourself into once you're sick so to answer your question is it worth it well first of all i think a little echo back to to what we said in the first two episodes i think you first got to get clear about your cash flow know where your money is going and see if there's an opportunity for you to add this to your your financial plan to protect the rest of your financial plan so it's it could be very costly because not because of the cost of the policy but because what you're going to lose if you don't have the policy so I think it's worth it. Um, I personally had some uh, critical illness experience in my family. My grandparents had uh, some critical illness and they didn't have these type of policy back in the day or couldn't afford it. Either way, it's, it didn't just impact their finances. It also impacted my parents' finances and also ultimately impacted uh, my finances down the road. It could be a kind of a spillover effect where it's not just impacting one situation or one time, but it kind of goes through the generation. So. Definitely really look into it, figure out whether or not it fits in your lifestyle. Um, and the best time to get some insurance is before you get sick and ill, uh, at that time, it's going to be either very expensive or even not a possibility. So if you can always educate yourself and find out more information about it first, check it out for yourself, uh, work with a professional to really identify whether or not it plays a part in your finances.
3: And it's so hard to discuss it with your family. It's such an important topic. Like you said, Jackie, you really spill over between generations, but trying to get uh, one or two of the family members to participate in that conversation could be so hard. Sometimes it's like bring the whole family and let's talk about it. Yeah.
0: The analogy that I think of Jackie uh, listening to at that piece is, is one that I learned very early as a sales tool, but also very, very important as, as many of our listeners know, I, you know, I was very focused on the life insurance side of our business for for 12, 13 years of my career. And what it says is it's better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it because if you need it and don't have it, you can't get it. So, you know, getting it when you don't need it allows for that flexibility. And when we build our blueprints now and depth three is going into that deep dive of insurance planning, one of the only things that we can't control is those illnesses. And that's something that really does have the capacity to to blow up a long-term financial plan you we insure our houses we insure our cars we insure our businesses but a lot of times we don't necessarily insure our, ourselves so you you look at that ability to earn an income it's it's a big piece of your financial plan and it's a big piece of your future so moving along here uh, successful business owners and incorporated professionals have one additional benefit with their corporation. They can use their corporation to purchase insurance, which we oftentimes will recommend if you have a business that you own your insurance inside your corp. And those corporate dollars are significantly cheaper than personal dollars. Corporate dollars are taxed at 11. Personal dollars are gonna be taxed somewhere between 30 to 50, depending on how much you're pulling out. Other than the obvious tax savings, why should our clients own insurance inside their corporations? Jasmine, maybe you can uh, touch on this one.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So first, uh, you know, like you mentioned, the cost of funding the policy premiums will be lower if paid by the corporation rather than personally. So, of course, that's actually can be quite significant. And then second, the the business owner can benefit from the tax deferral growth in the value of the investments or the permanent life policy that's held within the company until the disposition Uh, really kind of you can compare this benefit to like the tax deferred investment growth and like RSP, for example and you can possibly have a greater asset growth because the earnings can accumulate free from tax and then also the permanent life insurance products can be attractive because they can ultimately transfer the the benefit tax-free to the estate so it can flow through the capital dividend account and be paid out to the estate and then also why it's increasing in, in popularity to have it within a corporate is these new rules that restrict access to the small business limit. So when you have a private corporation, there's a certain level of passive income your corporation can generate so they can stay paying that 11% uh, small business tax on the first half a million. So insurance can help here. Because you can move excess money in your corporation. You can move that money into insurance and have your assets grow that way. And that asset will not affect and lower you know, your small business deduction. You can still keep paying uh, 11% versus you know, going to the 28%. So it's one of a few things left for the companies to help with sort of these passive uh, income levels that came up uh, a couple of years ago as well.
0: Got it. I think uh, oftentimes something we look at is what's the most effective vehicle to park cash in? not just from an investment growth standpoint, but from a net after tax piece. So a lot of times with corporations, you're rolling money into investment vehicles, whether it's insurance, whether it's a stock market, whether it's real estate, whether it's bonds, you know, any of those vehicles, what ends up happening with insurance is all the growth is tax exempt. So it stays in that umbrella. So you eliminate any of that additional potential for added taxation due to these new passive rules. And you also can eliminate the potential for double taxation. So again, double taxation inside a corporation, meaning you tax on the growth of the asset then tax to gain to get that asset out of the corporation. And that falls back into that capital dividend account that allows for the tax free flow through of life insurance proceeds. Something that is a a very high level piece of planning but definitely something that adds a huge layer of benefit inside of a corporation that really allows you to plan effectively, grow your money tax exempt, and structure your investments to make sure you're winning and not CRA. And I think a lot of times, that's a huge part of the goal that we're trying to accomplish when we go through the blueprint. Wealthy business owners come in and they say, what's your biggest problem? It's usually tax. It's not, do I have enough money? It's not, how am I gonna retire? It's, I have a huge chunk of cash here, CRA is coming after me, how do I win? I don't want to lose to CRA and I think we can all kind of attest to that one as uh, it's a constant battle for additional vehicles and ways to make sure we're we're taking advantage of that
3: yeah exactly And with the new passive rules when they came in you you know a lot of business owners saw the jump in tax and if that is the case you know maybe insurance can be a good way to help with that
0: so something that came up though that we were talking about using corporate money and having a situation where you're rolling dollars into a policy from a corporate standpoint a lot of times what we talk about here is that that's great. We have insurance, but I can only benefit from that insurance if I die. And obviously I'm not going to benefit, but my family's going to benefit or my business partner. But is, is there any benefits that I can utilize from an insurance policy for myself while I'm still alive?
1: Yeah. We mentioned it a couple of times already. Whole life insurance has a cash value part. And what that really means is it's a way for you to put some money inside a policy and have that tax free growth. And if it's a universal life, you can choose your own investments. If it's a whole life, then you are investing in the insurance company and getting a dividend or a profit return from the insurance company. Uh, Either way, there is still growth in the money that you put in, as long as it's well managed. So definitely you can take that cash value back out and uh, benefit personally. And it's common use for a a retirement plan for business owners. I actually have famous stories that I've heard in my industry days. Walt Disney actually started his first Disneyland on a cash value loan. So no banks was gonna lend him money to create this Disneyland concept because it was just so far-fetched. So he had to take out a cash value loan on his life insurance to fund his first Disneyland project. So there's definitely personal and immediate financial benefits for having a cash value uh, investment, uh, like a whole life or universal life.
0: The other one that comes up uh, there is uh, Jimmy Patterson bought his first dealership with a life insurance policy loan. So I think it's a pretty common thing that people utilize and difference between the two, you're building an asset, right? So you have access to that money. You can you can utilize it when you need it. You know, Jackie, that's a great reminder that you can use that. Uh, one of the questions that comes up is, why would I put money in life insurance when I could invest that in the stock market or invest it in my business and, and buy real estate? A lot of times I've seen these illustrations and they don't look as attractive as as buying real estate or or investing in the stock market.
2: I think as far as uh, if your goal is strictly to get the highest return, then you're absolutely right. Uh, Life insurance is probably not your best bet, but you can't compare a stock to life insurance or a real estate to life insurance. Life insurance is a much more complex product with a death benefit attached to it, tax savings alongside it when, when held inside a company, a much more versatile tool. And when you look at it, you can't just look at the individual return for the year. You want to look at the year over year tax savings that you might be getting from that, the estate planning benefit from it down the road. So to make the answer simple, you can't really compare them side by side. They're quite different.
0: No, for sure. And I, and I think that um, when I look at a life insurance policy, personally owned, one of the big things that I think about is it bypasses your estate, bypasses probate and it goes directly to those beneficiaries. So it cannot be contested. So it's a really valuable planning tool from that standpoint. And if it's inside the corporation, now we're just magnifying those benefits because the dollars that have been put into the life insurance have been taxed at 11% a lot of the time. So, you know, there's been a lot of really powerful information and a lot of good stuff. One of the things that's important is that you speak with somebody that really is a professional and back to that transparency of role in our industry you know, get really clear about what that professional is there to do. Are they a life insurance professional? Are they a financial advisor? Are they an asset manager? But, you know, get clear on their responsibility and what they're there to help and how they get paid to do that. And I think that's something that is so, so important these days with getting clarity around the role of your financial professional and something here with um, with the blueprint that we're very passionate about of that clarity and role and, and going through the process, making sure that, that you're accomplishing the goals first, and then integrating the strategy second towards building that life that you're proud of and the life that you're really trying to accomplish no matter what that might be. So appreciate all your insights, very powerful stuff. Insurance, again, not the most exciting topic, but a powerful tool that can be utilized. I wanna thank all our listeners for tuning in. We hope you got some incredible value from the discussion. And if you enjoyed listening, please hit subscribe and make sure to tell your family and friends and please be safe out there and enjoy the day.